2: Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Always fun to talk to Dan Weederer, and he joins us on The Score Hotline, powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Dan, good morning. How are you?
0: Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing?
2: Good. We're living the dream, and we wonder if the Bears are. You know, we we look at their... Uh, new coordinators they replaced both coordinators and they got a whole new offensive staff and those names are coming out and we're getting a feel for uh, who they are and they all have a pretty good experience NFL experience what do you make of the staff and is it an upgrade and when do you know
0: yeah this is the ultimate we'll see here if there's one thing I've gotten good at over my 11 years covering the Bears it's introducing myself to new coaches at Hellas Hall and so I've got a flow chart in front of me right now as we speak just to keep them all straight because six new coaches since the the season ended added to the mix uh three of those in coordinator roles obviously Shane Waldron at OC Eric Washington at DC and then yesterday Thomas Brown gets the uh the higher as the passing game coordinator a guy with extensive running backs history uh in his background but also uh experience with Shane Waldron and so you've got a staff coming together that that you hope can push your offense in the right direction um and it's going to be kind of a a we'll see proposition here because uh, as I've learned with with all these staffs uh there's there's an initial surge of excitement and then there's the okay let's see the results and then after the results go a little bit sour then there's a whole new group coming in to replace them so maybe this time it'll be a little bit different
1: so how's that going to work? Passing game coordinator. Then there's an offensive coordinator. I know they've worked together before and I know teams have done yeah. this in the past and what does uh what does Thomas Brown bring that Shane Waldron doesn't? Do they complement each other and and how does it all fit into the question that everyone wants to know? Does this indicate who they're leaning toward at quarterback?
0: You know, this, David, has been done recently at House Hall as well. When uh, Matt Nagy was here, he had Bill Lazor as the OC. He had Dave Ragone as his passing game coordinator. He had John Filippo as the quarterback's coach. It's another voice. It's another set of eyes. It's another person that can lend some experience and uh, insight into things that you're trying to get done. And as long as everybody understands that uh, you have to keep the voices to a minimum at times when you only need one voice speaking, then everything can work out smoothly uh it'll be interesting to see how it works out we're going to spend as you know the next you know 10 11 12 weeks trying to guess who the quarterback's going to be and trying to read clues And, and i think the the sentiment around the league uh right now is that most people would be stunned if they didn't use the number one pick to upgrade at the most important important position in the sport and so i think we're you know Starting to get that lean where where the presumption is that uh, unless the Bears find something I- I- incredibly troubling in their homework on Caleb Williams, that that's the direction they'll pivot. Uh, and then we'll just kind of have to wait and see if we can read more of those clues as we go along. Um, but I think there, there there's probably an attraction to this opportunity if that is the direction you're leaning, you know, and it it, it does allow you to sell that to, to coaches outside the building on, Hey, look, like we do have a chance here to, to uh, draft a quarterback that many people believe is in uh, upward ascending uh, potential star. And if you uh, hit your wagon to that, well, you, you know where that usually ends up for a lot of these coaches who work with star quarterbacks.
2: And, and it was interesting um, to, to hear um, a Joseph talk about, the DTA principle, right? This idea that you've got to you got to be making the right decision, the timing and accuracy. And that's, you know, people love having some kind of monogram to the whole damn thing. <laughs> it just makes it easier. Do you look at, let's just talk about that for a second with Justin Fields. Uh, there's been an argument that he doesn't make uh, quick decisions. He doesn't he likes to see the ball in as opposed yeah. to anticipating yeah. throws. And that will interrupt timing. And and then you start talking about accuracy. Yeah, And I honestly don't believe you can – I know Charlie Weiss would argue with me because he told us that you can make a quarterback accurate. I don't believe that. I think accuracy is something you have or you don't have. And when a guy shows accuracy, it's a great quality. And when you don't have accuracy, you've got to – Kind of work around it um, in order to to succeed,
0: Molly. There's a dozen throws in every one of these playoff games that we've seen this month where you go, boy, we don't see that consistently in Chicago. Those anticipation throws, those uh, you know bullets into tight windows where where the, the receiver's barely out of his break or not out of his break, and the ball has gone. Um, you, you've you got to find that in, in in your position. I've got a piece coming later this week at chicagotribune.com where I went back and before the season started, we set goals for Justin Fields across 12 statistical departments and seven key categories of playing the position. And I went back and graded them this week to see how he fared. And, and, and keep in mind, these were goals that we set for Justin to be on an Upwork ascending arc, not to be the MVP level quarterback that some people were talking about in July. And I graded them like uh, you would grade a uh, grade school progress report. And the categories were exceeds expectations, needs improvement, met expectations, and failed to meet expectations. Well, zero exceeded expectations, and then four apiece in the needs improvement, met expectations, and and failed to meet expectations. And so it just it, it's an illumination of a quarterback who made growth But didn't make the significant growth that would allow you to say, yes, I'm willing to bet the rest of my career as a uh, coach, the rest of my career as a general manager. Uh, And so it just kind of points you in a direction of of saying, look, like if the organization's uh, mantra is going to be we can't settle, then the biggest thing we can't do is settle at the most important position in the sport. And so that's kind of how I how I see that whole thing.
1: As you look at the way the staff came together, Dan, and as you talk to people around the league about the openings that existed, both coordinators and then the offensive staff. Was there some hesitance, some hesitation, as we've alluded to? I think you've talked about a little bit that, well, you know, the Bears' opportunity is Chicago, it's the Bears, it's a job, but the head coach isn't on as stable of a ground as as some head coaches are, and that prevented some people from maybe – being as interested as they might have been.
0: Yeah, there's no question that that existed, David. Now it wasn't universal obviously. They filled out a staff with six new people who were very attracted to the opportunity and the the chance to come here, but there were people in in, in specifically involved in some of those position coaching roles that uh looked at it and said, eh, you know, I think I can go find an opportunity uh in a, in another uh, organization that gives me a chance to stay there for for multiple years and not have to worry about it. Now these people may be here for the next five to ten years if they get the quarterback position right and the defense continues ascending and they become a playoff team next year. And all of a sudden, you catch that moving walkway to to success. Um, but there was in pockets some hesitance to again, particularly on the uh, on the uh, position coach uh, lines to 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 come and join this, not knowing what the future holds here in Chicago. Coordinator positions have a, a different level of. Uh, prestige as you know and and obviously if if you get your uh job done in those roles you have a chance to to go get a higher role uh, uh, up the chain. I think yesterday's hiring of Thomas Brown is interesting to me uh in some regards because if if you do have some success and and we we do worry about um a defensive minded coach overseeing an offensive staff where if you do have offensive success then the the offensive coordinator leaves well maybe now you have uh an in-house successor to Shane Waldron if he gets on the fast track and goes and gets a head coaching job in the next couple of years and and then maybe you can promote Thomas Brown into that that O C role and see where things go from there. But uh yeah, to answer your first question, there was in, in certain circles some hesitance.
2: I, I asked um David this morning, what happened to Phil Snow? Is he still connected to <laughs> I know it's I know it's funny, but I'm just curious, you know, he When he was hired, they started getting better. Now, that probably coincided with making a trade for a guy who uh, was pretty damn good at his position in Montez Sweat. But I don't know. Did he help? And Is he going to still have a role or is that all? Montez
1: Sweat is an actual person yes
2: yeah, i was gonna say I know I, is it i got I, you. know, I,
0: I know the answer that david gave you what do, yeah. what do you mean what happened to him he never existed yeah he, he just, said he, it was ai yeah, yeah. he just evaporated I-A, back whatever. back into the ether and, and there we go I, don't, I that's a good question i don't have the answer on whether he'll still be around i would assume <laughs> that now that they've stabilized this staff and and matt's going to be you know firmly in control of calling plays on defense with eric washington as his right hand man that, that they don't need Phil Snow around in that role anymore, but uh, worth asking, and I'll uh, uh, since biggsy's out there uh, working things in Mobile this week, I'll, I'll tell him to put that at the top of his radar today <laughs> as, he, <laughs> as, as he runs around Lad People's Stadium or whatever it's called now.
2: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect, impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detect They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: So (laughs) let's talk about the senior bowl for a moment. I want to know what is the appropriate level of excitement or intrigue? and uh, all these prospects, and everybody wants to draft Jackson Powers Johnson. He's the Oregon center
2: <laughs> right? because
1: they want to plug and play, and they got these other guys on the list. And, yes, there were four players in the senior bowl last year. The Bears drafted because Luke Getzey was there, and then there was Tyson Bajent and he signed and all that. Dan, how do you view what happens this week in Alabama?
0: Oh, no, it's I mean, it's a, a, a an incredible opportunity for – Ah, uh, these stabs to get eyes on guys the 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 one-on-one drills at the senior bowl are some of the most entertaining parts of the offseason where you just get that high-level competition between prospects and it allows these coaches and these talent evaluators to 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 kind of get some glimpses into how guys are are wired competitively and how they perform when they're they're put on a stage like this where there is Uh, a bit of a job audition pressure to it. And so um, there's, there's a number of intriguing prospects that could interest the bears out there. Uh, Obviously the, the pass rusher from UCLA, Latu is a guy that a lot of people are are eager to watch this week. And he's got some unique qualities and, and, and explosion off the ball that that you get a chance to see firsthand. And so um, there's, there's definitely something to gain from being out there and watching these guys practice against one another. The game is obviously an afterthought for a lot of these guys the week of practice tends to be where, where a lot of the homework gets done. And then obviously at night you get to, to sit down with these guys and, and interview them and, and talk to them and start that process going as well.
2: Yeah. And, and I mean, look, they've got um, a couple players there that are pretty good. And, you know, you mentioned the center. I was, uh, I, I was reading it, uh, um The Pittsburgh coaches out there on the field Mike Tomlin talking to the guy. They're looking for a center. You know, obviously, the the Bears' brain trust is sitting there watching him play. I don't know if they're, I don't know if they need a higher pick in order to get him. And there's a lot of options for them on those lines. But it's interesting when you know you got whomever it might be. Um, you know, Lad McConkey separating himself at a position. I, I'm just saying. You oh, find right. players at that game and, you know, uh believe Tyson Bajan came out of that game last year.
0: Well, you know who else came out of that game very early uh, during my time covering the Bears is Aaron Donald. And I remember going sure. down there and watching uh, people be like, I don't know. This guy seems a little bit undersized for the position. And then leaving that week, it was like, oh, man, like that dude is a game wrecker. And there were a lot of people very excited about the potential to get him, including Phil Emery. And he was one pick shy of being able to pull that off, and 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 you remember those things over time. Um, I'll tell you guys this also, like you know, this week our friend Matt Bowen put out his uh, his list of the top. 50 free agents and and free agency is less than six weeks away yeah. now and as you guys yeah. know it precedes the draft and you start going down and you want to start start dreaming a little bit and you think about like all right you've got you know not only the number one pick which we're going to spend an inordinate amount of time talking about over the next couple months but you've got not number nine to do whatever you want there and and then you've got this this free agent capital and you start looking at you know defensive tackle and you dream about like a Christian Wilkins coming in and, and joining the defense or if you want to get DJ Moore, uh, a, a guy that works alongside him what about thinking about T. Higgins or Mike Evans or Calvin Ridley. And then you, all of a sudden, the, the the imagination starts to run a little wild, and you realize how well-positioned the Bears are to make improvement to an already-improving team. And then all of a sudden, you start to get that that uh, adrenaline rush that, yes, this is indeed a landmark offseason, and they've got a chance in a lot of different areas to, to get a lot of things right.
1: All right, Dan, 30 seconds. What is the significance of the hype video released over the weekend by the Chicago Bears.com social media team about Justin
0: Fields? I'll give you four seconds. None.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's a great answer. One uh, two-minute clip. It has no big picture significance. <laughs>
2: great stuff, Dan. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Good Dan. Talk. All right, Take guys. Care.
0: We'll talk soon.